ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Oh, what a show. What a show we've got in store for you this week. Uh, so much to get into. The first podcast of this era of wrestling, really. You know, we came to you last week talking about the draft and everything, but now, now is when we talk uh, about what life looks like after the draft. Katie Lindahl will be uh, by my side to commentate on, on, on wrestling post-draft, on what the new Raw and SmackDown looks like in the state of wrestling this week in just a little bit. Of course, this is Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, a podcast done by me, Sam Roberts, a wrestling fan for wrestling fans. We still like wrestling for some reason. I don't know what it is. We still like wrestling, and so uh, I'm here to, to share that with you, my love of wrestling. I like to talk about it. I like to talk about it with you. That's what we'll do here. We'll talk about some wrestling. Uh, I wanted to start with a classic interview, though. You know, we do an interview every week. This week, I wanted to air something that I did a while back, but I never got to put on the podcast. As a matter of fact, I did this interview before I had a wrestling podcast. Uh, Michael Cole does not do too many interviews. So I thought this was something that exists on YouTube. You could see the video if you search for it, Sam Roberts, Michael Cole. Uh, but I thought that this would be a good opportunity to share this with you. I thought that, that it should be something that existed on the podcast. So, it was uh, one of my favorite interviews I think I've done. Michael Cole was a great guest. Uh, funny, open, honest, uh, good dude. Good, good dude. Uh, and so, I wanted to present that to you this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's a classic interview, and it's with Michael Cole. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. The voice the official voice of the... You're the voice of the WWE now, right? That's what I call myself. Michael Cole. Exactly. Is that's, here. <laughs> that's self-professed. By the way, I'm so glad I'm here. Yeah. We, we've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah, but you live out in Texas. Yes. Fun. I mean, this is going to be a really fun week. I can't wait. Is your wife just fed up with it? She's like, I don't want to see more wrestling shows. Uh, she doesn't watch, Yeah. number one. Yeah. Uh, although she did watch. Uh, the only time she's ever watched me on television was WrestleMania two years ago when I actually had a match. When you performed, you were a re- you had a match. <laughs> yes, I had a match, if you want to call it that. Yeah. It's been voted <laughs> a one lot of the of, a worst lot of WrestleMania matches in history, Sam. Yeah. You saw it. I, of course I saw it. It, it was... <laughs> It was long. Uh, <laughs> long. It went the distance. I had never watched. It, it was it was me versus Jerry the King Lawler, mm-hmm. uh, WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta. And Jerry Lawler, who's a legend in this business, had never, ever had a WrestleMania match, ever. Yeah. So he's all excited because he finds out he's going to have his first WrestleMania match. And then he finds out it's going to be against me. <laughs> and he's sitting there like, this is a great, this is a huge thing, my first WrestleMania match. And you're like, yeah, mine too, buddy. Exactly. I'm the announcer. Exactly. So we do this whole angle leading up to the thing, which was a lot of fun. The problem is, is that uh, I, no one knew that I had this this orange singlet made for for this match. For this match. <laughs> See, I looked at you walking on the orange singlet, and you go because it's like Michael Cole. He's not, you know, he's not in. He's in the shape. He's in good shape. For an announcer, good shape. I mean, I'm trying what to be are you polite. At? <laughs> he looked like he had a, like a spare tire tucked into his singlet. But I figured that they might, and it was bright orange. Hey, let me interrupt you for one second. Yeah. What's the serious what? Serious 
206 XM 105. Okay, I'm tweeting out to everyone that uh, I'm on your show right now. So uh, We're the only channel left. Exactly. That has two different <laughs> numbers. That they wouldn't just consolidate. So anyway. So Although with you <laughs> tweeting that out, that'll probably just get hate for me because you you are the only person who I would think gets more Twitter hate than I do. Uh, it's horrible. Uh, it, but it's actually better now. It's about 90% hate mail now. It was 100% before. And then, of course, Jerry went on and um, had a heart attack live on television <laughs> and turned me into a baby face overnight. Right. You saved Jerry Lawler's <laughs> life by sitting next to him. Well, and... I gave him a heart attack in our match at WrestleMania. That right. was the start of it. And then... so, 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 yeah, so you walk out, and it looks like you're in this bright orange singlet. And it well, looks let's like not forget I had the Team Cole sweatshirt. Of course, so I didn't reveal the singlet until I actually got in the ring. Although, although you weren't wearing workout pants with it, you were just wearing your little orange shorts yeah, and my, your and, big and, hoodie. Yeah, right, and my black, uh, my black knee pads in front of seventy thousand people at Georgia Dome, and I was scared to death. You were. I'd never been in a match before. Yeah, they sent me down a month early and said, "Hey, go to Tampa to our training school and learn how to take bumps." So they're throwing me around the ring. I couldn't move for two or a two month, weeks. Oh, a month early. Oh, yeah, a month for a WrestleMania match. You're like, all right, what is it, March? Oh, I guess it's in April. Yeah, you can go down. Exactly. So, but I assumed watching you uh, show up in front of 70,000 people in a bright orange singlet, uh, <laughs> not in great shape, that somebody had handed you that singlet oh, and was I like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. I thought I was in great shape. I thought I was, <laughs> oh, man, I thought I was Arnold. Well, I, I really did. I figured because, like, when they do stuff like that, especially in WWE, all you guys, or I thought, and I wouldn't say you guys, but a bunch of guys who aren't wrestlers work out like they're wrestlers. So, like, when Vince McMahon had his first match, he takes off his, you know, dumb three-piece suit, and he looks like a bodybuilder. So I'm sitting there going, oh, I bet, you know, Cole is one of these workout guys. You're not. No, what Michael happened was, and I go to the, I'm you have these, terrible hey, tattoos. I'll, I'll, thank you. Uh, there's a story behind that, which I'll tell you in a second. But there's one of the, I'm one of these guys who thinks they know how to work out. I've been going to the gym for 15 years. I really? I, I haven't lost a pound. <laughs> yeah, I, I do 45 minutes of cardio a day. I think it has something to do with the beer and the whiskey that I drink on a regular basis. But yeah. no, seriously. Uh, so I think I'm in decent shape. Yeah. So then uh, a couple of days before WrestleMania, Hunter looks at me uh, uh, and goes, hey, uh, Michael, you've been hitting the gym? I said, oh, yeah, I've been going every day. <laughs> and you think you think Triple H is, like, exactly. complimenting no. you here. Like, he goes, it really doesn't look it. So now when I, I realize he's not complimenting, I said, well, you know, I'm playing the character. I'm an announcer. I'm not supposed <laughs> to be an athlete. I'm supposed to look fat in the ring. That's the gimmick, right? Meanwhile, I'm so embarrassed because I've been working out for months to get ready for this, yeah. this match. And you have the audacity to say... Triple H, I could be in wrestler shape if I wanted to, but I don't want to make Jerry the King Lawler look bad. No, exactly. I, didn't want, to, I didn't want to look better than the king. I, I mean. don't want to make Triple H, I don't want to make you guys <laughs> look was, bad out It was there. his moment, you but know? Please. I, I assumed that the singlet you were wearing was an exercise in humiliation. That was your choice? It was my choice. You had that made and everything? I wanted to do something that was... Um, I wanted to do something that was uh, that was interesting for WrestleMania, and uh, it was orange. A lot of people thought it was orange to pay homage to my my uh, ex partner Taz. It was actually orange because I went to Syracuse. That's what I thought. Because I, I went to Syracuse, the orange, so exactly. Like... The orange mafia. You should, you know, back to the singlet for a second. Please. I actually had it made. So we have seamstresses that travel with us, and I actually went to the seamstress and I said, "Listen, can you make the singlet for me?" And they looked at me like I had two heads, but nonetheless, they did. And they <laughs> this took was the your measurements choice. and stuff, and um, so uh, I was actually. Actually, in the bathroom of the locker room, um, actually sitting on the can, and um, the uh, one of the seamstresses uh, wanted me to try the singlet on, and uh, she actually thought I was in changing and I was dressed, and she walked in while I was 
sitting bare naked on the uh, on the can, um, <laughs> and she saw a lot of things and handed me the uh, singlet to try on, which yeah. I did. And I walked out. I'll never forget. I walked out of the bathroom in the singlet uh, a week before WrestleMania, and uh, there were three people sitting in the room. Uh, John Cena, The Undertaker, wow. and one of our talent relations guys. So the first two people, two of the first three people that actually saw me in the singlet were two legends in our business. And the under- top two guys. And Undertaker looked at me and said, um, what has this business come to? And he <laughs> walked out disgusted. He left. Uh, That's and, why we haven't seen him since last WrestleMania. And there was, the, the, there, was a lot, there was a joke, too, because um, a lot of the guys uh, had fun with how it fit me. Uh, around the uh, the groin area, right? The um, sort of, yeah, that was a little embarrassing. Pelvic room. What yeah. kind of underwear do you wear with a? Uh, do you have to wear a jock strap? Just a jock strap. That you did. Was it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to put any padding into it or anything? It just... was funny too because uh, at WrestleMania, there's some shots where you can actually see the straps of the jock strap uh, <laughs> just... outlined. Um, it was very unflattering. It's very, very amateur very hour. Very, uh... Yeah, I didn't remember much because after about the first two minutes of that match, I thought I was knocked out by Jerry, and I was so completely out of breath, I don't remember. I never watched the match, ever had ever watched the match until about two or three months ago. We were at a party, and somebody wanted to put it on as a joke, and mm-hmm. I watched it, and I could not believe that it was 35 minutes Dude. long. Outrage, wrestling fans. I said, you wasted 35 (laughs) minutes. Daniel Bryan in an 18-second match at WrestleMania. I had a 35-minute match. And that's what people, they put you. So how how does somebody like you, like, it's obviously not your decision how long your match goes. But they're doing a match with Jerry the King Lawler and an announcer, Michael Cole. And honestly, at this point, Jerry the King Lawler is basically an announcer himself. He's he's, he's a wrestler, but he's an announcer. Right. So they've got the two announcers, and they're giving them thirty-five minutes at the biggest pay-per-view. Are they? Are people backstage? Are they? Are wrestlers mad at you? <laughs> people hated me. Yeah, I mean, literally, there was like a, a backlash in the locker because room because you're taking this their spot. Has got thirty-five minutes on WrestleMania. <laughs> now the, we tried to justify it by saying, "Hey, Stone Cold Steve Austin's a special guest referee. <laughs> this is a big attraction. Yeah. Jack Swagger's at ringside. Yeah. We have the coal mine at ringside. The plastic box that I used to broadcast from because I was a bad guy. It was just not a good scene. But yeah, and then and then while they're sitting there pissed at you for taking their spot, you're like, "You guys got to see the singlet that I had exactly. made. Is this oh, a so excited. What? The worst part about it was I had like a five minute promo walking to the ring talking about this." And that and it, it was like oh my I was boring myself walking out there but I mean seriously though it was so much fun it was a blast so when you're at so they're not giving you a script no not not because at this point you know what you're doing bullet points you yeah. get bullet points of what they want you to hit but that was basically my baby they basically said you've been doing you've been talking about this match for three months go out there hit a home run and let's do it was that your favorite thing that you've ever done gotten to be a bad guy Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I you know I cursed the, the fact that Jerry Lawler had a heart attack because it made me turn into a good guy. <laughs> that was again. the number. That was the worst thing well, about I'll the tell heart you attack. Story. Yeah. Um, By the way, eight six six wow one wow. We can go to phones too. Uh, Jerry, uh, obviously, what we were talking about was uh, back in uh, September. Jerry actually uh, had a heart attack on the air. Right. Uh, on Monday Night Raw, uh, we were in Montreal, Canada. We were calling a match and. Um, Jerry and I don't look at each other when we work. We have monitors at ringside. It's gotten there, huh? Right. And I, exactly. <laughs> Can't stand the sight of each other. I look at my other. right monitor. Jerry looks at his left monitor. And we were calling a match. And all of a sudden, I heard Jerry snoring. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought that he was just, like, doing that to say that the match was boring. Right. Which, would he, is that something? I used to do it when I was a bad guy. <laughs> so I just figured maybe he was doing it. So yeah. I, uh, I turned around to look at him. And, you know, he was snoring. And, uh... 
then I said, this isn't right. And his head was on the table. Next thing I knew, he went into cardiac arrest. So, uh, you know, thank God uh, for the doctors and the EMTs and Jerry, you know, made it. And, that had to be the scariest thing you've ever seen. Oh, there. my God. And I've been I, I worked at CBS News before I worked in this business. And uh-huh. I, I, uh, you know, we always talk about I always say on the air, especially when I was a bad guy that, you know, I'm a former war correspondent and a broadcast journalist. But that's true. I I've covered wars. I which know, wars did you cover? I was in uh, Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did uh, uh, three tours in Bosnia, um, Sarajevo. Uh, and I, uh, I was involved in uh, the in Kuwait in the first Persian Gulf War. Mm-hmm. Did a number of different things. Um, so I had been in, involved in all kinds of different things from the news business, but this is actually something that really affected me because it was a, one of my real good friends who I'd been working with for 15 years. And he's right next to you. Exactly. And I just plus, to, plus yeah. I, I would think, you know, when you go to... The, to, to cover war, you're expecting like some some crazy shit could happen. Yeah, and you're yeah. not personally invested, and you don't know anybody that's involved. You're, you're not a personally reporter. invested in the story. Yeah, like you're when you're Michael Cole and you're just sitting at ringside calling Raw. Right. You know, you kind of would like to think that you have some idea of what's going to happen, and then you have to explain to the world that this isn't part yeah. of the show. This right. is real life, and. And you're a bad guy at that time. Right. I, well, I was. And so, like, I, theoretically, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, I hope he has a heart attack. I, I had to break character. Yeah. You know? And it, it, then the news background came in. Long story short, Jerry made it, thank God. And uh, he's better today and better shaped today than he's ever been in his entire life. But he said he died for a second, yes, right? that's what he claims. Wow. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you're not whether, a doctor. But. Exactly. Whether you believe that or you don't. Know what I mean, <laughs> whatever he saw, he said he didn't see any light. He said it was completely pitch black till he woke up. Yeah. So we know where he's going when it's all over. But he, uh, he's lived a good life, though, hasn't he? <laughs> exactly. So on Wednesday, I remember this happened on Monday. On Wednesday, um, uh, Jerry, uh, his uh, girlfriend had called me from the hospital in Montreal and said, listen, somebody wants to talk to you. And I you know, Jerry's on the phone. Holy shit, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, you had a heart attack two days ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and this was like – and when they were reporting this heart attack, it was like, we don't know what's going to happen. This was a bad one. I was told by my producers uh, probably about a half hour after it happened that, uh, listen, Michael, you've got to really make sure that you're prepared to deliver the worst. Wow. So now all this stuff's going on. I'm trying to forget, get all situated in my head how I'm going to – so in your head, you're thinking how you deliver this. Exactly. Thing. That's exactly what I was thinking. And then going off the air, it was almost like it was, I hate to say this, it was almost like it was scripted because going off the air, we got the news in at the last moment that Jerry was hanging in there and yeah. the news looked better. So that Wednesday, he actually calls me and the, uh, uh, he says, uh, hey, Michael, it's Jerry. And I'm like, hey, King, I can't <laughs> believe you're here. You're alive. And we talked for a few seconds and I just said, I just want to tell you something. Thanks for ruining my heel run. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was baby face again. That was the, the whole thing. And that's where the money is, too. You're not making money from WrestleMania uh, matches. No. as a, hey, look at those guys in the ring. Being a bad guy is the greatest thing in the world. It is. It really is. It is so much fun. It's and that's, easy. That's that's a little more naturally you, isn't it? Of course it is. Well, you know me well. You know me <laughs> off the air. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Evil Michael Cole comes out. <laughs> that's after some of those whiskeys, though. Here is the question that I was wondering. A few weeks ago, after all this... You see, you know, you watch this guy have this heart attack. He falls down. They bring him back. He comes back. It's a miraculous thing. So what's he doing eating tater tots on TV? You know how many tweets <laughs> I got about that? I would imagine. We a promotional bit for Sonic, uh-huh. uh, who's a great sponsor of WWE, and they have been for years. And, um, you know, Jerry was eating one of their new items, and... <laughs> 
And I, my Twitter blew up that night. Because, hey, Cole, the guy's had a heart attack at you once, and now he's eating fried food. And Lawler is sitting there stuffing his face with tater tots. He had five of them in his mouth at once. I go, this was months ago, not years ago. No, but he, according to Jerry, the doctors say he could eat and do whatever he wants. So he's in better shape and health now than he was before the heart attack. You know the thing about Jerry? Jerry has never smoked. No. He's never drank. And um, but he but he does cage matches <laughs> at sixty and eats tater tots exactly, <laughs> and he wants to wrestle again. He does. He does. He he loves it. Would He's, Vince put him in the ring again? Uh, I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. I will, and I'm not, you're not going to get me to go there either because I don't have any idea what they're thinking. Well, I will say because <laughs> in my mind, the human in me would say, no, I would never put Jerry Lawler in the ring again. But I think Vince, oh, God damn, yeah, we'll put him back in the ring. Uh, he's a promoter. Yeah. So who knows? As um, long as you can get Jerry Lawler on TV. Before he goes in there to say, I want to do this, right? my hands are clean on this one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, let me go to Brian in Long Island, who's on with what's Michael that, Cole. What's, what's up, Brian? Sam, what's up, Michael? Hey, Brian. Listen, there's a famous thing on YouTube called WWE Off the Air, where you and Jerry just absolutely destroy the ring announcer. <laughs> <laughs> Which ring announcer was it? I bet it was Tony <laughs> Chimmel. <laughs> I don't know his name, but I mean, you guys are just brutal. Has he ever confronted you about that? No, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Tony Chimmel, and I think it had to do with a uh, a SmackDown taping a number of years ago, where Tony could not uh, figure out that the name of the match was a turkey bowl match, and that it was for the women's, not women's, championship. <laughs> the woman, and I swear, that woman, exactly. And I swear to God, Chimmel about 10 or 11 times had to do these lines, wild lines we call them, uh, to try to get it right, and Jerry and I lambasted him <laughs> like there was no tomorrow. I'll never forget that night. Tony Chimmel's a great guy, been with the company for like 30 years. I still have no idea how he's been here that long. But somebody else sent me a YouTube clip, because that's so funny that he was talking about that, because somebody else was like, uh, when I, when we were tweeting last night that you know that you were going to come on the show today, somebody was like, "Oh, you got to ask Cole about when he was uh, fucking with Tony Chimmel." And so I clicked the, his YouTube video, and it was a totally different one. It was right. like uh, some uh, he he described a ladder match, uh, but he said, "Oh, first person to get custody of the belt." <laughs> but it's on pay per view, and you just start openly laughing like custody. What is he talking about? Uh, and Chimmel's been doing this for how long? <laughs> I can't say anything, though, because it's difficult. I, I butcher things every week uh, well, you can. at live, at live only, television. Don't say I can't say anything, because <laughs> you say things, and then you go back and be yeah, but it's all good. But you've already said the things. I know, exactly. It's live TV. Well, welcome aboard. I mean, it's funny. You have, uh, what they call in wrestling, buried a lot of people, though. You go out there, even now as a good guy, I've heard you, like, weeks ago, you're still, if you don't think a segment is going well, or whoever doesn't think a segment is going well... Your voice will be there. Like, I, I, Jericho was doing a segment a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, God, please. And you start, start. You start saying, cut to commercial, I, cut to a, commercial. Got, this I'm, is horrible. I got in so much trouble. You literally, because they're doing this, like, interview segment on Raw. And Michael Cole is sitting there at ringside, and he is saying, he's openly laughing while these guys are talking, not wrestling. And then you start requesting... Did the show cut to commercial? Yes, because it was a very bad segment. <laughs> yeah, but what yeah. I felt bad about is the fact that I disrespected Chris, who obviously has been in this this business longer than I have, and uh, you know he's uh, 
he's one of the, the the legendary greats of all time, and more importantly than all that, Chris is a friend of mine. Right. And uh, so I actually and he's going to be in here on Thursday. So whatever you say today, actually, believe it or not, I felt bad. And you uh, did. yeah, I felt bad for a number of reasons. Uh, a because I did that. I didn't feel bad at the time. I felt bad afterward. But <laughs> but because I didn't go to Chris and explain to him what happened. Yeah. So he had to hear it like through the grapevine the next day. So he wasn't happy with me. Oh, so good. Yeah, because he can't hear <laughs> exactly. what you're just. <laughs> so it's like uh, we, we ironed things out. Chris and I did. But he's a great guy. But, uh, you know. That's funny. But, but you've been in the company for longer than most of the wrestlers now. 16 years. Jesus Christ. Yes. That makes me think I've been watching way too long. Because I remember like when you were the new backstage dude 16 years and i was like what happened oh, yeah. when i had the goatee and the frosted tips and all that <laughs> yeah when yeah. you were like the young guy who yep. was taking like skinny. uh uh sean mooney and todd like pettengill yeah yeah i yeah. did take todd pettengill actually todd pettengill got me my job he did he helped get me my job i gotta tell you something we don't make fun of him for wrestling but his radio show does not get an easy time here uh, i know <laughs> you, I, you're aware I, I, I it was right around the time todd was leaving todd and i were actually close and todd had given me a little bit of an inkling that he may be moving on and i said okay time for me to go and i just happened to get hired in houston for the cbs affiliate there and i ended up picking up and moving to texas which is why i'm there today and uh about two or three weeks later uh todd called me and said uh, hey i'm going to new york if you ever need a job let me know so it was uh that's how that went <laughs> and down. then he got you the job at wwe yeah he was working uh uh you know doing whatever he was doing uh, on camera work and stuff like that and he uh gave me a call and said hey they're looking for an announcer uh my deal was up at cbs at the time this is back in late 96 early 97 and uh he had me come in for an audition and i did it and the rest is history as they say so you go from how long was it between you're, you go from being like a news guy who's covering the Bosnian war yep. and like for real stuff to the rock is putting t-shirts on your head. Like two weeks. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was the I, just, I had just come off the, uh, I had just finished the um, uh, 96 presidential campaign. I was with Dole for the entire campaign uh, and uh, I had just finished the campaign when this gig came up. Uh -huh. So I just came off covering a, a, a year-long presidential campaign with Bob Dole from the Republican Party and Steve Forbes before that, and I go to work for WWE, and my first interview was with Savio Vega and Los Barricos <laughs> yeah. in a barn in Des Moines, Iowa. They're like, we want you to, yeah, you're going to interview this Puerto Rican gay <laughs> in a what, barn. And at which point my wife looked, my wife, this is back when she watched, and she said to me, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, well, did you... Want to get out of news? I don't understand the yeah, move. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I it, it, there was too much travel. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was homeless than I am now. <laughs> there was too much travel, um, so I joined WWE, the, which is the, notorious exactly. for a home life. And in the downtime, I got sick of covering potholes in Manhattan and snowstorms, and so I figured it'd be fun. My deal was, hey, listen, I'm going to get a year or two of te television experience because I was working in radio, mm -hmm. and um, then I'll just uh, go back and you know get a great TV news job and be on Good Morning America one day, and, right. and then, I never left. <laughs> now, yeah, now you're stuck with JBL and watching George Stephanopoulos exactly. on TV. Exactly. Uh, let me go to Ryan in the Bronx. What's up, guys? What's up, Ryan? Hi. Michael, uh, i got to commend you, number one. The, uh, it's always tough to be the guy after the guy. And, you know, like, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm a third, almost 40 years old, so I, I grew up with Gorilla. Jesse and then Jr. of course, but for you to take over after Jr. is like, everybody gives you shit, but I think you do a real good job, man, and you carry that show a lot of the times, but uh, I just want to throw a name out there, man. It was, uh, it's, I, I see it in your face sometimes on the show. It's painful to watch. Brad Maddox is horrible on the mic. 
I actually like Brad. I think he's got some potential down the road. Uh-huh. Um, he's like a lot of our guys today. The business is changing, and yeah. it really is. We've got a lot of young guys. Uh, we've got a great uh, you know, minor league facility, we like to call it, down in Florida uh, called NXT. We've got a lot of young talent down there. You're going to see a shifting of the guard. We have to do it. I mean, you see what's going on at WrestleMania. A lot of these guys aren't going to be around in a week or two. Uh, we've got a great, great show at WrestleMania, you know, Roxena and Brock Lesnar. And yeah, we should H probably and... mention that before we run out of time. Yeah, <laughs> And, uh, you know, we got all these guys uh, that are there. And um, Punk and Undertaker, of course. And, and Do you like the Paul Bearer stuff? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. But again, I'm a heel at heart. So, <laughs> right. you know. But that's, a, but that's what's supposed to be done. Do you know, you know who Michelle Beadle is? Yes. She's, first of all. Not a Michael Cole fan. Uh, I know. She's a wrestling fan. I know. I follow her Twitter. She's, 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 <laughs> she was in here yesterday, and I go, yeah, Michael Cole is coming to me. Michael Cole. Ugh, why would you have him on? I love it. Hey, as long as they know my name, yeah. no matter to me. That's true. Dude, I was watching last night. John Cena got booed out of the building. Mm-hmm. Not you, surprised. You said he had a mixed. You were like he's having a mixed reaction. This crowd's a yeah. There, there's a here. reason that I said that, which yeah. I don't need to get into now. But yeah, uh, maybe maybe there was some sound that was blocking <laughs> your hearing in the arena. Exactly. I don't know. I think I had my earplugs in. But yeah. uh, you know, John, it's it, listen. Rock's fresh. Yeah, you know, he's he's here and he's not here. And people, John's here every week, mm-hmm. and he's in the trenches every week. And I think that people. People like fresh. Do you, you think know? they should turn John Cena into a full-fledged heel? Uh, I don't. You don't think so? I don't think so. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, Cole. He drives our company. I mean, he, he's been here 10 years. People love him. Kids love him. There's nobody close that sells the amount of merchandise that John sells. I mean, he is just so good for this brand. And not to mention the charity that John does. I mean, mm-hmm. between Make-A-Wish and the Susan G. Komen for the Cure, the uh, Breast Cancer Foundation that we worked heavily with them last year, that was all John's idea. He came up with the pink ropes and the whole nine yards. So, you know, just for those reasons alone, John needs to stay who he is. Um, and that's who he is at heart. John is that person. Uh, at heart, I've known John for years. He's one of my closest friends in the business, and that's who he is. How much has has, has WWE and and the locker room and everything changed since you, when you joined? It was full on like Attitude Era, Stone Cold Rock. All this was going on. Right? Is it's it completely different? It is. It's 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 such it's a business. This is a business now. Uh, it is not that it wasn't before, but this is a business. Uh, you know, suits and ties. Um, I, you've had a lot of our guys in here. You, yeah. you know, most of them, especially like Miz. Miz is like one of the sharpest dressed guys. In, in the <laughs> I told you, I'm afraid the Miz is going to end up broke because <laughs> exactly. he's spending all his cash on like four piece suits for radio appearances. This is a, you know, we're a publicly traded company on wall street. We're a global entity. We're on in 150 different countries, you know, TV, uh, every Monday and Wednesday and Friday night and the internet and all our social media. Um, we are a, a conglomerate and, uh, the beauty of our superstars and divas today is that they treat it that way. This mm-hmm. is a business for them. You know, they go to work like it's an, a, you know, a nine to five job, so to speak, in their suits and ties and their 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 beautiful dresses, and uh, you know, they sell the company for what they need to. And it's just it's a completely different atmosphere than it was fifteen years ago. Is it? Do you think it's? Is it more fun, less fun, or? I always have fun. Yeah. You know, and it, just like I'm sure you complain about your job, we all complain yeah. about our jobs. Yeah. But when the red light goes on and it's showtime. Uh, that is so much fun. Like at DC last night on Raw, when that red light goes on, it is the greatest job in the world. And you know, it's funny. You were talking about uh, Todd Pettengale. You know, you had a relationship with him. He was doing his thing at WWE, and he goes, "Hey, they're looking for somebody new. Why don't I? Uh, why don't I introduce you to the guys? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Well, I met Michael Cole a while back, and he goes, "Yeah, we're always looking for new people." And I, uh, I sent him my tape, pictures, shook hands with a bunch of people. 
And uh, the info that he got back was, yeah, look at him. What the <laughs> fuck are we going to do with someone who looks like that? He, he's not an announcer. That is a true story. Wait, that's not at all what we're looking for. That is a true story. Tell him to not let the door hit him where the good Lord split him. It, it might have been the hair, perhaps, that yeah. had something to do with it. But uh, I can't. How's your wife, by the way? She's good. Great. Tell her I said hi. But that's, I asked you about your wife putting yes. up with wrestling because, I mean, she won't put up with oh, that's it right. at we all. We came full circle, didn't we? Yeah. Um, she, uh, no, she went My to, wife won't put up with it at all. She went to one WrestleMania and... Uh, was it the one you performed at? No, she didn't. Even, <laughs> she wasn't interested. That was the only time she's ever really watched the program. She actually watched it. Uh-huh. And, uh, she texted me when it was over with. It wasn't like, how you doing? You know, mm-hmm. are you okay? Um, are you sore? It was like, that was pathetic. That's what the text <laughs> my wife sent me after WrestleMania. But no, I mean, you know, she supports the product. Obviously she's, you know, she's not a fan, but yeah. she supports what I do. Well, she and, also uh, probably doesn't have to deal with supporting a, a shelf full of pro wrestling action figures. Like no, some people's exactly. wives. Do. <laughs> I've got my own room yeah. that she said, that's yours. And that's where I've got all my memorabilia. And, um, but no, she, uh, you know, she, she appreciates the company, uh, for what it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, my wife had a kidney transplant a decade ago. And uh, when that happened, this company was so wonderful. And, really? Uh, I mean, just unbelievably fabulous. You never fabulous. hear those stories. From the top down, from Mr. McMahon down through, through his entire family. And because of that, um, you know, she has always respected and loved everybody that's been involved in this company. It's just not her cup of tea. Michael Cole, thank you for being here. Sam, thanks for having me. Here is Sam Roberts. That was Michael Cole. I loved that interview. I'm glad I finally got a chance to share it with you. Speaking of sharing things with you... Uh, if you're planning on being in New York for SummerSlam, do me a favor. Block out Thursday for me, will you? I can't announce anything yet, but if you remember last year, I did uh, Sam Roberts' show live from Caroline's on Broadway with Paul Heyman and Corey Graves. WWE event. It was amazing. It was such a good time, and I thought that maybe I would try to pull off an event, uh, Sam Roberts' wrestling podcast event, this year as well. Uh, seeing if we could do something like that again. I can't say too much about what it is, uh, who will be there, anything like that. Hopefully next week on the podcast I'll be able to announce something more concrete. But do me a favor. Leave the Thursday before SummerSlam open. Okay? Got it? Got it. Come into New York a day early if you have to. I think. I think. I'll talk more about that next week. But there's enough to talk about this week. Specifically with, of course, the draft. Wrestling looks very, very different now, and I invite Katie Linendahl to help me explain to you how different it is. Here it is. Let's go. State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. And we welcome you to the State of Wrestling. It's a huge State of Wrestling, the first post-draft. Well, yeah, I guess it's it's the first post-draft world. State of Wrestling. The last State of Wrestling was technically post-draft, but the draft had just happened. We now have seen what the world looks like after the draft. Uh, Three big days of wrestling. Pay-per-view, Battleground, then Raw, then SmackDown. Of course, I wasn't going to do it without Katie Linendahl. I'm in Los Angeles, but we have telephones that extend all the way back to New York. Hello, Katie. Wow! And actually, by the time you're listening to this, I'm currently in New York, but I'll be in San Antonio for NXT. Oh, so if anyone's I, down there, because Sam ditched me on it, come say hi. I forgot that was even happening. Yeah, dude. We were supposed to be on the Texas tour together. I know. Oh, I'm very jealous now. I know. I'll send you... I'll, 
I'll send you a, a Snapchat. I know you will. Who's? Do you know what the card is or anything, or are you just going? No idea. So we found out that uh, uh, the NXT August, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, is going to be headlined by Nakamura versus Samoa Joe, which I don't think was a was a surprise to anybody. Right. But, right, all things given. But but that's going to be the title match. So uh, I guess... In, can we go back for a second here? Yeah. If I had a dime for every day this week that I haven't watched wrestling, I'd have zero dimes. That's right, zero dimes. And so would you. Dude, that's like cumulatively, what have we watched? Like, on average, 9 to 14 hours, if you want to include NXT too and pre-shows of wrestling. I mean, are we including are we including the cruiserweight classic? Dude, you you win. That's like <laughs> so. It's like a full day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and to me, you know, I posted something this week about how amazing the last three days of wrestling has been because I really feel Very that exciting. way. Like I actually had to make an effort because I was up in like Sonoma, California for the weekend, and it was like nothing. And I had to. That was when Battleground was on, so I had to. Figure I don't even think you had dial up. Yeah. I had to figure out a way to see Battleground. I watched that. And then, you know, I'm out here in L.A., but I'm working at night. So I still have to make a specific effort to watch Raw and SmackDown. And I have been. And, like, there's no sort of nothing in me that wants to fast forward any of this stuff. Everything happening, uh, you know, I, I like Sasha Banks and Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler and... Dean Ambrose and everything going on. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to begin either. And I actually was getting a little overwhelmed because we've had a lot of tweets that other people are feeling like this is too much birthday and I can't agree more. And again, may I say for two weeks in a row how great it is to be a a female fan of wrestling because women's wrestling is just killing it. And with Bailey in the mix and Sasha and Charlotte, love it, love it. Are you surprised? But, it seems like Bailey is uh, only, was only brought in for the pay per view. Is not was not drafted to Raw well SmackDown. I think that's well planned. I actually my favorite thing about that's a little cheesy is watching Sasha just genuinely be so happy for her. And you probably know Charlotte was trying to you know not feel the same way. Yeah. Did Did you watch? They were the, so happy for each other. They really were. Did you watch the video after Sasha won the women's championship of her FaceTiming Bailey? No, I didn't see that. Go to the WWE YouTube channel. They, they, they. She oh, immediately awesome. FaceTime Bailey from the locker room, and they're just like, you know, smiling and laughing and crying, and it's, it's, it's love women's wrestling right now. So, so I can't believe it's just flipped completely, and it's like it is part of it. It's not even like, oh, that's it's a girls' match, popcorn. No, it's like it's on. Even on SmackDown, where they don't even yeah. have a championship, like you know, they had Natty. They had the natty the natty Becky Lynch match was a two segment match and then they introduced the entire roster. And I'll, I just want to make a side note that all red everything once again came out in a white cape. <laughs> but how great is her new theme? It's amazing. I love it. It's like a voiceover. Like it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Eva Marie coming out to being like, she is the most compelling, the most attractive. Like, and it's just a bad voiceover voice. Isn't she charismatic? It's like everything <laughs> she's not. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Incredibly. I'll tell you what, though. If you're, ba- or, uh, if you're Becky Lynch, I don't know. You better be hoping Bailey's coming over that roster. Yeah, I don't know what they. I mean, it, it, it was cool to see and everything, but long term, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they do 
with that in terms of I the women's roster. Week. Yes, I think this SmackDown women's roster is like. But it's like there's yeah I I just don't know why it it still doesn't seem like a good move to separate it. It was cool to see something special happen on both shows, but it doesn't seem like a good move to separate it. Let's talk about something in your wheelhouse. Um, yes. They talk. Neville's back. <laughs> yeah. Jobbers are a thing. I mean, we'll definitely talk about jobbers. Do they cereal? Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to talk about production value. I want to talk Ooh. about the fact that now Raw and SmackDown both look and feel different, uh, not only from what they were before, but from each other. Like, production-wise, the shows are being done very different ways. I also thought the, the, the pacing is on both shows is just incredibly different. Yeah, I agree. Here's, what really, here's where I was like, okay, it's, in, it's entirely noticeable, is when they brought back the in-ring interviews, like, it's like after they like somebody loses the Kentucky Derby, the like and the reporters over there on a horse, like you're like, dude, he just crossed the line. It's like that fashion, like it's that fast of a turnaround with the interviews. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to be able to do it for every match, but I'm assuming that that was uh, definitely inspired by UFC. I think that I think, okay. and I think it's effective. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's like they're trying to uh, have more of a a sports feel at some points in the show. Uh, and I thought it was effective. Um, but, I mean, everything's different. Like, obviously the staging is different, but did you notice on SmackDown, all the the camera angles are different. The way the show is shot is different now. Somebody said there was a drone shot. Confirm or deny? It wasn't a drone shot, but there are definitely... The jib? It's a jib, yeah. Their they're, yeah. they're, they're jibs are placed. It's a drone in an arena like that. No, you couldn't put a drone, but there was, there was, there was a jib shot and, like, Hard cam seems to be in a different place. Like hard cam still exists, but they're relying on the jib shot for a lot more. A couple of people said they didn't love uh, the way SmackDown looked. I liked it. I think it's different. So I think people are initially probably some are going to be turned off by it because it doesn't look like what they're used to. But I really like. Uh, I just like that it looks different. I like that that he, there's something about it you know it, it's down to like changing raw has red ropes again smackdown has blue ropes again it, it, i think in order for the brand split to be effective you've got to have shows that immediately when you turn them on you know what show you're watching and that wasn't the case uh recently like if you turn on a smackdown or a raw you're like i don't know what this is but now they're setting it up where the minute – if you're just flipping through the channels, you know no matter what point in the show that you're watching, if it's Raw or if it's SmackDown, and I think that's essential. And I also think it's essential in the sense that this, this surprise elements that keep coming up, Yeah, there's just so much change that it's like – I think that's a good thing. And, and P.S., this is like when Facebook changes like three things and people are all pissed right. and they're like, oh, we kind of like it. You're going to like it. Well, you know what was, in, what was interesting about the surprises and the changes and stuff like that? I think, I mean, universally, I don't know anybody that wasn't thrilled. Firstly, that Sasha Bank, Banks won the women's championship. But secondly, I don't know anybody that wasn't over the moon that Finn Balor uh, pinned Roman Reigns and that that's the main event for SummerSlam. I mean, that's huge. Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins, I would say... I wish that the championship had a different name. I don't know that. I like, 
I, what I hope... The WWE <laughs> Universal Crash Bandicoot Wimbledon Championship. <laughs> She's back. You Injured? Know, no. Back? Yes. By the way, did you see that on Instagram, she actually is coming back. Like, Nikki Bella is training. She's in Orlando. I did not see that. You're just, you're, how do you, so you're up to, like, two days' worth of wrestling content at I mean, this point. I mean, I'm looking at everything. But Nikki Bella was literally in the performance center training with Bailey. She's actually Damn coming back man. to wrestle. I'm so excited. <laughs> um. I, I yeah I I I love the idea though uh, that I get to call somebody the WWE champion of the universe. That's the one. I'm not. I will. I will never say. Let's put this right now. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast exclusive. I will never say the Universal Champion, but I will always Can say. Can you do the impersonation? Because in like the round table of that, you know what happened? It was like a group think where everybody was afraid to say it was dumb because it was like Vince had a thought he had an idea. Yeah, he goes like this. So- He's like they're just sitting there going like, okay. Well, uh, what do we have for SmackDown? Well, we have the World Championship. Uh, well, Raw's got to be bigger. Something bigger. What's, what's Think of something good, Vince. You're right, Nikki. You're right. What's, what's bigger than the world? Hmm. The Universi. Make it the Universi Championship. Did you say Universal Championship? That's even better. Next, what's on the agenda? <laughs> um, we're, we don't. You want to talk about this? Maybe take a take a hand boat. Is that what's on the agenda next? No, nope, we love it. We love it. Okay. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I hope I. You know, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins are documented. Uh, two of my favorite wrestlers. So I'd be happy with whoever is the first uh, WWE champion of the universe. I think between those two. <laughs> Champion of the cosmos. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Champion of the moons of Jupiter. But you know... Especially Europa Kingdom. You know what I was surprised by? Roman? There was... No, there was backlash. Some people, a lot of people actually, don't like that Dolph Ziggler is the one who's main eventing SummerSlam with Dean Ambrose. And that was probably, to me, to put Dolph Ziggler in that spot... Again, a surprise. Yeah, it was definitely, I'd say, the biggest surprise of the last few days. I'd say in the last week, Dolph Ziggler winning that six-pack challenge. And I'm sorry, Heath Slater, it was not a seven-pack, baby. It was a six-pack challenge. (laughs) Dolph Ziggler winning that thing was probably, to me, the biggest surprise of anything that's happened over the last few days. I honestly thought he was kind of fizzled out. Just by what the sequence of events that we were seeing, like he was up and down and up and down and up and down, and then, and then to bring him back, why? Yeah, I love it, but but I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts as to why. I think there's a especially s- with all this fresh talent. Right, that's the key. I think there's a story to tell with Ziggler, and I think it can still be told the right way. I th- I like the what SmackDown was doing with promos, like the Dolph had that promo with the black background and everything. Like there is still. A story to tell of Dolph Ziggler. It's the same story as Zack Ryder, really, except this one is the world title instead of the Intercontinental title. I think SmackDown, look, SmackDown has its work cut out for it. I loved both shows, for the record. I really enjoy I've I've loved everything the last Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of wrestling were all great. But Raw is a better show. Raw was a much better show than SmackDown. Would you agree? It, what are you grading it by? 
just in terms of like I'm watching this, I'm entertained. Like just like just a person watching a show, I'd go, yeah, Raw was better. I liked Raw better. I would agree. Yeah, I yeah. do love the live element of SmackDown, though. I'm, mean, a, I'm a sucker for live. Oh yeah, the fact that look, Tuesday SmackDown versus Thursday SmackDown two weeks ago is night and day. There's no you're night and day. Oh, yeah you're 100 percent right about that, and that's actually and I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good context to look at it in. Like before we start comparing it to Raw. Let's just look at what improvement it is over two Thursdays ago or whatever it was. Um, but I think SmackDown does have its work cut out for it because, oddly enough, even though Shane McMahon was all about the new era, it doesn't. It seems like Raw. It, like it seems like Vince like yeah Vince liked that idea I think, and has decided that Raw is going to be the place. SmackDown is is going to be the underdog show. And it's going to be workhorses like Dolph Ziggler. It's going to be your Bray Wyatt's. And, and I'm so thrilled. I don't have to tell you how thrilled I am that Bray Wyatt is being looked at as one of the top guys on SmackDown. Because obviously, you know, not the guy, but still. I mean, the fact that he was a one of the first participants to be entered into the six-pack challenge. And he looked like he was fresh out of Hot Topic. I would say... The, Bray Wyatt was in a good spot. I was happy with Bray Wyatt's spot. As opposed to Tommy Bahama? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The previous look? Yeah. <laughs> this is a new summer edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tommy Bahama. Um, uh, but, but yeah. We, I want to ask you, though, because I'm dying to know. Yeah. Um, I've been patient in, in waiting on to ask you about Reigns. Because I, I, don't, I am, again, revisiting a conversation we've had 3,000 times. Okay, he's come back. Yeah, we've seen what we've seen. How people have responded. Yeah, and I think he's in a worse place than ever. Well, yeah, I mean, where do you even put this now? Well, I think what's interesting now is that nothing is predictable. Like I can't figure out what anybody's spot is at the moment because you've got SummerSlam is now Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Champion of the Universe, Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler for the heavyweight title, Randy Orton versus Brock Lesnar. I, I, there's no way that anybody could have predicted the direction that this thing was going in. You know, they teased the idea of Finn Balor in the club just a little bit. Uh, I mean, I have no clue. I'm not 100% sold on the fact that they have any idea exactly what's the plan for anybody right now. I think they're uh, they're they're enjoying the luxury of a fresh brand split, which means that they can try some things. They can play with some things. They can put people in different spots and just see what fits. Uh, so I think that's what's happening. You know, there's a good likelihood that maybe Roman Reigns is in the doghouse a little bit because of the drug thing. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what Roman Reigns' spot would be. I'm sure he'll have a, a prominent match at SummerSlam. Uh, I just don't know who would you put him with on the Raw roster now. Uh, Seth and Finn are spoken for, obviously, as is Brock. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't I'm, know. there's a lot of possibilities, but I, yeah, I don't know. I like uh, that. Uh, I like the idea of the club and New Day. I think that's a good spot for all parties involved. Um, but yeah, the the Roman Reigns thing is very interesting. And very. I, and I like that they're, they're just, they're like, okay, 
let's use this moment to try something new. Because if they had done this and made it where they did a draft, right? And after the draft, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are feuding, and John Cena and AJ Styles are feuding on SmackDown, then it's like, well, okay, this is kind of where we were at before, just on two different shows. Versus, no, things have really gotten shaken up. And that's what I like. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that SmackDown is going to be the underdog show. And I think that they're going to have to uh, just be the workhorses. That's going to be the workhorse show. That's going to be the show where people who have said like, – like people who need a chance to prove themselves – are going to get to prove themselves on that show. I I think that's what it looks like to me. Raw to me looks like, you know, fresh talent comes in. Uh, uh, we see, like, that's certainly the more mainstream show. And SmackDown is people who want to prove that they can do it, have the opportunity to do so, uh, with the exception of American Alpha, who I'm excited about seeing next week. American Alpha, and, and what do you, how do you feel about the Shining Stars? Because I don't know if you got the memo, but apparently, do, are they like making it like we have a problem with Puerto Rico? It's like a U.S. territory. No, I don't. What's they're going just, on with that? Yeah, I don't think that it's a well-flushed-out gimmick, because they're not saying that there's anything <laughs> wrong with Puerto Rico. They're just saying, like, these guys are from Puerto Rico. They love it. <laughs> like, like, there's got to be some kind of scam here, but they, for the moment, they just love Puerto Rico. <laughs> I thought we is that they were putting it the other way. Who the shining stars? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I'm confused about the shining stars. It is a confusing I thing. I look forward to staying tuned. How period. great! First of all, let's compliment Braun Strowman on his haircut. Respectable. Yeah, shaving the sides. He looks badass now. How great was it to see Braun Strowman and Nia Jax? Not only the return of jobbers, female jobber. Female jobber. I mean, how great is it? James Elworth. Yeah, you love him. Love them. <laughs> and if I could remember her name, yeah, well, she was just screwed out the gate. I can't even remember it. I was like, oh, do you think they put Naya out too early? There no. was a lot of hype around that. There was a lot of push for coming in. Yeah, no, I don't think so because I think that you know, once she's drafted, it's like, okay, we know she's coming. We know she's here. There's no, like, like let's get her on TV. Let's do something. And I think that... I've been thinking about that, though, a lot. Sorry not to cut you off. No, go ahead. But I've, I'm very passionate about this one. I just kind of want to be, like, Krang and kind of, like, I want her to see what she has to work with as, like, a character and just own it more. Oh, like, yeah. If she, like, I want to Krang. You know how he, like, controlled the, like, and just be so maniacal yeah. and nuts and weird and like just own it own it she she has that and then she probably will with time yeah yeah just just be a little bit more of a brute a little bit more forceful like use her size be unstop be a beast yeah yeah no i agree with you on that i think she needs to be more of a beast i think i i hope she will be i think you know regardless she's a pretty amazing uh just just amazing to look at, you know what I mean? It's just it's a, it's a and she does well in the ring, uh, but she does I think need to lock in on that character. Are you a beast or not? Um, but I think that jobbers 
like were used on Raw enhancement talent, has been this rare thing. And, you know, uh, the late, great Patrice O'Neill, who passed away, but he was an amazing, amazing comedian and spent three days, literally, before he was fired multiple times. He spent three days as a WWE writer. Loved wrestling. And he used to always say his number one criticism, and he passed away years ago, his number one criticism was the lack of jobbers. He goes, they need to bring jobbers back. And and jobbers, you remember, uh, Katie, when you, me, and Wade Keller were sitting down and we were talking about 50-50 booking? Mm-hmm. Jobbers is how you get around that. You have to do 50-50 booking if you're doing your main event matches every single week, one after the other on Raw. Whereas if you can get some jobbers in, then you can just simply build guys to be stars. Braun, Braun looked like a star. Nia Jax looked like a star. And it was because they had people that they could squash without there being a consequence. And it's just so I valuable. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know how I feel about that because, like, you, as soon as you see the job, I, I love jobbers. I love the whole idea behind it. But as soon as you see a jobber match, you know there's going to be it's, – it's so one-sided that it's like it's over. It's, it's going to be a, a minute 30. It's almost like an exhibition, though. It's like a showcase. Like, oh, yeah, I want to see, I want to see Braun, Braun Strowman do his thing. Like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. I want to see him do his moves. And you just watch it like that. Like, you know, the TV used to be back in the heyday, like when you and I were growing up. You remember it would be like WWF Superstars was on. And they'd be like, coming up today, the British Bulldog, the Berserker, the Rockers, all in action. And it would just be jobber match after jobber match after jobber match. No, I would love to have another like good like a jobber like Brooklyn Brawler style. It's like a little bit more elite that like really starts making the rounds. Yeah, and that that could happen. But the problem is then those guys get popular, and it takes away from just showcasing the talent. Like I think that there there <laughs> there there should be a vehicle to just simply showcase the talent versus anonymous person. I mean, you and half the internet are already in love with this one jobber. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Like he's becoming a bigger star than anybody. And then that kind of defeats the purpose of having jobbers, doesn't it? Or does it? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, Sam, I think that is the purpose of having jobbers. Jobbers deserve equal pay. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> that's my campaign for the election season. Yeah, I think that was Ryback's problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, yeah, uh, so uh, I guess we'll probably... What did you think of Randy Orton's return? I was happy to see Randy Orton back. Uh, he wasn't as tan as he used to be, um, but I'm a Randy Orton fan. Dude, that's in my top ten list of, of things that were, like, my personal favorites. Since you loved when it. was Randy Orton so likable? He really was likable, wasn't he? Really, really likable. And you know what? Funny, charismatic. And he translates confidence. Like, when he was sitting there with The Miz... And they're talking about his Brock Lesnar match. He's like, yeah, the legend of the man who put the one in 21 and one. Well, in case you don't remember, I was known as the legend. I made a lot of money as the legend killer for quite a while. And then everybody's like, oh, man. And all of a sudden, it was like just the way he delivered that line, I felt. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you got this story where you're like, oh, yeah, I want to see this match now. It almost seems he's very happy genuinely to be back. It must be interesting around like this whole new fresh crop of talent to yeah, be like, in that position. Like he's like happy with his spot. He's comfortable where he is. He's not this young kind of 
hungry guy who's trying to uh, take out everybody's spot. He's just like, I know what I do. I'm here to do it. Like, I can go out. I know I'm good. I'm not trying to – I'm not worried about who's going to take my spot. I'm just going to go out and do it. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's if, – if we have that Randy Orton, especially in this scenario, that could be a fun Randy Orton to watch. What about Rhino and Shelton Benjamin, two randos for the week? Uh, but I, I really love Rhino being in there in that mix. That's so funny because I love Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> you are. I uh, I was kind of I, yeah I, I Rhino I don't know what they're gonna do with I like I know you. Well, love... tell the first thing that they're gonna do. Tell me what I'm gonna tell you. What Gore? What is the first thing that they're gonna do with Rhino? I don't know. In this brand change where the production value is so high. Oh, they're gonna they change. Need... They're gonna change his Titantron video. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not clip art from Rhinos. It's not found footage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess. I mean, Rhino unfortunately may be used as one of those guys who's like he. He'll probably be used like he was used in NXT. Like he'll probably be used as a guy with a name that uh, people beat. You know what I mean? Like he's got a name. He looks intimidating. He's got a move set. But if we need to get one of the new guys over, he can beat Rhino. Do I not get points for calling that one though? And you said no way. You did. You did say that Rhino would be on the main roster, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't know why you have such a hard-on for Rhino. But <laughs> but, but you were right. You were 100% right. Um, I'm very happy Shelton Benjamin's coming back. Uh, somebody tweeted, I think it was The Steamer, who tweeted uh, that he remembered. I don't even remember where I said it. It was either on, maybe it was on this podcast, or maybe somebody at one point asked me what, my favorite match was. It might have been on Stone Cold's podcast, actually. And I told him it was Alicia Fox versus Molina. No, I told him uh, I told him there was a match between Shelton Benjamin and Triple H on an episode of Monday Night Raw in like 2001. Uh, maybe it was like 2004, actually. And I said, that match, I just will always stick out of my head because I remember I was in college and I was watching it and I was just on the edge of my seat like I don't remember being on the edge of my seat. And there were a couple of moments like that. Shelton Benjamin... That's such a random choice. I know it is. But I'll never forget that match. And I forget... I, you know, you see so many matches, you end up forgetting them. But that's one that I'll never forget. Shelton Benjamin, before he was the gold standard, like before he went to ECW, before he did all that, <coughs> Shelton had a pretty amazing run for a little while. Like, it, he had a series of matches against guys like Triple H, against guys like Shawn Michaels when he was the underdog, and, I mean, really showed up. He is He's a super talent. Uh, I hope that he shows up, you know, at his, at his prime. You know, he's not, he's, he's not an old guy. He's still got some years left in him. He's an amazing athlete, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what capacity we see Shelton Benjamin in. I would assume it's going to be similar to the Rhino role where he's kind of there to put people over and stuff. But still, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, like, think about it this way. Who does American Alpha get compared to most? Team Angle, right? I was just going to say you've a kind of eclipsed Team Angle. Right. So now you've got one of the key members of Team Angle, Shelton Benjamin, and you've got American Alpha on the same roster. 
There's a lot of possibilities, you know, whether they're whether they're friends, whether they're enemies, whether they're whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot you could do. You don't see him going back tag, though, do you? Shelton? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're going to sign Charlie Haas, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know who his partner would Anything's be. Anything's possible these days, Sam. No, you're right. It's the draft. Hold anything, anything is possible. Bob Backlund is back. I'm and so happy. Good. I'm so <laughs> happy. Anything's possible. He got Bob Backlund. Not only is Bob Backlund is back, he got drafted to Raw. It's nuts. The he only scares small children. Yeah. My only qualm with Bob Backlund is I wish at the pay-per-view he'd taken his shirt all the way off. I don't think he could get it off, dude. <laughs> Other than that, I, I mean, think look. I was like, is he, maybe it's a leotard, and he didn't realize that, like, <laughs> couldn't get it off. Yeah, he tucked it into his underpants by mistake. Yeah. Um, no, I'm so happy Bob Backlund is back, and uh, I, I think he's such an asset. I think he's in amazing shape. I think he's a great character. I think he's out of his mind in the best possible way. Like, Bob Backlund is the man. And to pair him with Darren Young, a guy who actually needs it, is perfect. How good has Bob Backlund been since he's been in the same room as Darren Young? It's legitimately terrifying. And who told you that they needed to put those two in the same room? You did. I know. I tried to tell you. You did people. call that. You did call that. If they would have dropped the split screen and went with this, just, well, hindsight 2020, it's happening. Right, it's happening. It That's on. the point. Yeah, yeah. So that that, that was amazing. Uh In non-draft news, I don't know if you heard this, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, you know how Brock Lesnar was found that he was, uh, he got, his test results came back and he was doping before his UFC fight. Did you hear that? Yeah, and I can't do the math with it. I cannot figure this one out. Well. Because you remember we talked about this weeks in advance, how he didn't go through the proper. Yes. Yes. How do we explain this? So he didn't go through the proper regulation in terms of, of, of drug testing because the, the fight had happened so quickly, correct? The UFC didn't make him go through the testing that they usually do. And I, I, I was under the assumption a lot of it was because he goes through WWE testing. Right. But as it turns out, from what I heard, the rumor is he got tested positive for estrogen blockers. Yes. And the reason that you test positive – the reason you a man like Brock Lesnar would take an estrogen blocker – is if he's taking something that boosts his testosterone through the moon right before because as soon as you get down off that drug, your estrogen goes through the roof to make up for all that testosterone. And, you know, there's there's plenty of performance-enhancing drugs that boost testosterone. However, the news, the big news, is that WWE will be taking no action against Brock. None whatsoever. Which I mean, I don't know that they can really, but it's it's it, because of how much money is invested. But it kind of sucks for everybody else that's ever had to do, you know, that's ever had to uh, be part of uh, they, suffer they consequences. They can do whatever they want. I mean, come on, he, it's it's one man's decision. Oh I yeah, they could. There's a board, but come on. Yeah, no, no, no. They could do whatever they want, one hundred percent. I just meant that they couldn't do it because there's too much money invested. Like, they could, but they wouldn't. I mean, you could have a much less argument, though, with Reigns and say there was a lot invested in that very moment in him, too. That's true. That's true. And, and that was a huge slap on the wrist with, with consequences still happening. Yeah, I mean, look, from what everybody's saying, Roman Reigns got, as we talked about last week, busted with Adderall, the same thing Adam Rose did, 
which maybe he had a prescription for. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, I look. So Brock, we clarify this. So Brock, when he, so he was or he wasn't being tested by WWE, or was that something he took right before UFC? No, he the took actual it, fight. He tested positive in the month of June. So that would have been that would have been the the UFC doesn't UFC themselves don't test because they're a legitimate sport. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a council to test the same way like UFC has no control over the judges, right? The judge their fights like Dana White doesn't employ those people. Those people are brought in by the state commission. So the state, the state or the whatever commission, national commission, maybe those are the guys that go forward and and drug test because it's a legit sport. It's not something they're doing voluntarily. Uh, so that's, that's what Brock, uh, tested positive for in June, in the month of June. Okay. So that happened in the month of June. What did they send the samples to like Mars to get it? Why didn't this get cleared before? It takes the fight? like, for some reason it takes two or three weeks to get results. I don't know why, but it all, I mean, oh, it's, you've got to be kidding me. It's not just for Brock. It's every, every fighter. It takes the same thing happened to John Jones. That's why John Jones got pulled out of his fight the day before. Because he had tested positive for something like two or three weeks before that. Are they taking those cells and making new human beings? Like, what in the world takes two weeks these days? Well, they have to clone Brock Lesnar, and then they have to ask him, did you take these drugs? (laughs) And they clone him, and then Paul Heyman comes out instead. Whoa, what a twist. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. I don't know. The whole timeline of that just doesn't make sense to me, but... Yeah. I mean, look... I got to tell you, I'm a selfish fan. I just want to see my matches. I'm glad Brock's going to be at SummerSlam. I don't care if he gets. I don't care if anybody gets punished for drug use. To tell you the truth, I just want to be able to watch wrestling. No, no. You know what? There's not even enough time left in this particular episode for me to retort. (laughs) I know that you do not agree. I do not (laughs) agree. I'm just like love Brock Lesnar. Don't agree with that situation and or actions. Yeah. I'm a dopey wrestling fan that just wants to see my wrestlers. At least you're honest about it. Yeah, that's it. Like, if I'm if I'm telling you how I really feel, like, I would be happy to see Brock Lesnar, and I would be sad to not see Brock Lesnar. So, I pick happy. Can we? Can I take, like, um, a, a tangent and say how are you – how excited on a scale of 1 to 10 were you for Neville? I was – I have to tell you something. Oh, no. I have been on such a state of – in such a state of elation for Sasha Banks <laughs> that I have not had the proper amount of time to give Neville his respect. I mean, look. That's jacked up. Look, I'm – Because I've waited four months to do a red arrow off my sofa. No, I know. I know. And they're, they look really good when you do them. They're dangerous. I wish you wouldn't. But they look really good. But to watch – Look gymnastics. Yeah. But to watch Sasha, I mean, this is a before a year ago, more than a year ago. I was on here like before Sasha like was on the radar. I was going, "No, Katie, Sasha Banks is my favorite wrestler." And you were like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> like I was like, "No, she's my favorite wrestler." This was before the any fatal four-ways. This was before uh uh the Bailey matches. This was before all that stuff. I was trying to tell the world that Sasha Banks was my favorite wrestler. I feel like I'm going to take a moment, and I think you'll allow this to me, Katie. I think I deserve it, don't I? Yes. 
We do. I want to take a moment to acknowledge that I was on this bandwagon way before anybody else was. I went on Stone Cold's podcast well over a year ago, probably 15, 16 months ago, and told him Sasha Banks was my favorite wrestler. I have gone everywhere I can, and I have spread the gospel of Sasha Banks. Sasha referred to me as her what? Do you remember, Katie? I believe the word she used was boo. Boo. She said I was her boo, and this was before anything. Now... Just give me some backup music because you're on like a soliloquy here. Thank you. Now, the whole world wants to be uh, uh, down with the legit boss from day one. But no, I was. And thank God. Thank God for this podcast for two reasons. Number one, it allows me to spend more time with Katie Linendahl. Number, Number two, I was able to get on record that Sasha Banks was my favorite wrestler before any of you marks. So how do you like that? You know what? I I did think of you the other night because I was like, you called that way early and way before any women's wrestling revolution, which is a bold, bold move, especially given your credentials. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that I was so vocal about it, that I told everybody that would listen. I was literally that just is points. Talking, that is some serious points. Yeah. I was just talking to my friend uh, Kevin Undergaro about it uh, on Monday, and he was saying that, you know, he made uh, his fiance Maria Menunos aware of Sasha Banks after I came to him and said, no, Kevin, it's not about any of these other women. you got to look at Sasha Banks. This is the future of the whole, not just the division, the industry. You know, and now, now finally the world catches up with Sam Roberts once again. Isn't it great, Katie? It is, it is very nice. But also give yourself some credit, too, because when we were stuck in an elevator in um, what almost turned out to be WrestleMania 32 uh, fan, what, protest because nobody could get into the stadium. Right. We were stuck with Sasha's mom, and she definitely knew who you were. Not only – that was like – that was probably my favorite thing of WrestleMania. I was so like honestly like all joking aside, <laughs> you know, my my hardened stone exterior actually cracked and I was actually touched. I think I, I felt something – some people refer to it as like an emotion. I, th- I think I might have felt you an emotion. You had an emotion? I think maybe. Wow. Sasha Banks' mom came up to me and she looked at me in the face she was like hi and i was like hi and she gave me a hug and i was like hey and, and she was wearing a legit boss t-shirt and she's like do you know who i am and i was like ah, i'm not a hundred percent sure and she just looked at me and she used the gimmick name which i love and she just went i'm sasha's mom and i was like i was like oh my god and i gave her another big hug and you remember you were just trying to avoid the crowd and i was like katie Katie. We, this was all in an elevator, mind you. Yeah. I was like, get over like here. Slammed in. Yeah. I was like, you know who this is? And you're like, no. And I was like, Sasha's mom. And you're like, oh, my God. And she said that she'd watched our interviews uh, with Sasha. And I legitimately felt like I was in a, in like a conversation where I was like 
trying to put my friend over to someone's mom that like you liked. I was like, oh my god, yeah. Sam has just been since the start, and I like went in and just started hype girling for you. Right. Like you were, you were literally my wingman. Like I'm not going to pick up this totally. girl at a bar. Like this isn't a one night stand. Totally. Like Katie, I need you to help me impress this girl's mom right now. And you're like, I, I got you. That. I got you. Uh, and I mean, yeah, it was great. And I tell you, like, it really tells you a lot because we talked to Sasha a few times now, and she just. It has the strongest character, is the nicest girl, like is 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 such a true person. Do you know what I mean? Well, and back to what I was saying earlier about just being so genuinely happy. Yeah. For Bailey when she came in that night, like you can just tell, like it's just an awesome, and all that good, like positive stuff is coming right back to her. Yeah, like, and it she's was, just taken off. And it was really nice to see too that you can see. That there's a re- – that is – like to me, when I meet somebody's parents, like if I get a vibe from somebody like I got from Sasha when we talked to her that she's legitimate, she's like just the sweetest girl ever, that she really does love this stuff, that this is her dream, that she – like all the stuff that you hear is legit. When I meet her mom and like I can tell that that's what her mom passed down to her, that that's what her mom put in her, uh, I go, OK, yeah, this is the real deal. This is the real deal. And we met her brother who she cares so much about. Uh, and and the whole thing, it was just, it was great. And we've actually ran into her parents at a few events, haven't we? Remember there was like a random Albany one or something? I think we might have. I think we Fill might have. your Albany, something. Yeah, because I think her mom was in the front row at Albany. I think that's, that's right. That's awesome. I love that support. I think that's right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like her mom's behind her. It's just great. I'm just so happy for her. I'm happy for you too that you got to see Neville again. Uh, Thank you. Yes. That was, that was my answer to my question right there. Yes. It yes. turned into something about Sasha Banks. Surprise! But I support <laughs> that, so I'm cool with it. Well, I mean, I used to remember back in the day when we used to, when a year ago, it used to be, or more than a year ago, it used to be a situation where I couldn't get through any conversation on the podcast without talking about Sasha Banks. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think we've, I think we've covered quite a bit. Uh, <clears throat> what are we? What am I missing? Dude, yeah. you missed the new day cereal. The New Day cereal, first of all, that's Which, how, by the way, yeah. it may be supporting box tops for education. I hope so. Look, <laughs> the New Day cereal better be nutritious and delicious because it cost $13 a box. That's insane. Oh, my God. Yeah, $13. It like unicorn blood? It better be. It better be legit Wait, unicorn. What do you think? Is it, like, is it like Lucky Charm style where, like, can we just, like, guess what the four or five marshmallows are going to be? I think they... Because we already know one of them. I think you can see the marshmallows on the box. Like I think on the T-shirt, it's though they literally made those marshmallows. That is incredible. But add one to it. Come on, you're funny on the spot. Uh, uh, uh. Well, other than the unicorn horns, I would. Here's the marshmallow that I would really want is yeah. an Xavier Woods horned boot marshmallow. You know, he's got horns on his boots. That's so random, but yeah. that's like that is in the wheelhouse. That well, is a I lucky love, term, like luckily boots. I've always appreciated that Xavier Woods got the horned iron cheek boots out of the closet. Uh, and that's what I would that's the marshmallow that I would mark out for the biggest. That's your eye to detail, Sam Roberts, right yeah, there. That's what I love. Uh, yeah, New Day, this was over the weekend at Comic Con. I mean, what a Comic Con they had. They announced the Booty O's was a real cereal that you could buy. Uh, first and it's very strange. You know where you did you do you know where you can pre order it? I believe that was FYE. Isn't that weird? Dude, why didn't Kellogg's like step up to the plate here? This is a million dollar opportunity. More than that. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. General Mills dropping the ball here. Look, I, I, I don't want to destroy your vision of things, but there is a possibility that the reason Bootios isn't is because eating a booty o could be construed into a, an act that you wouldn't associate with your brand, let's say. You know what? Don't ruin it for me because, again, <laughs> I don't even know where halfway this is going. Right. So it's already like, yeah, I'll stop. stop. I'll stop here. Um, I but thought not they were only... just like circle-side donuts. Right. No, that's what it is. Don't worry about it. You love donuts, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's fine then. Uh, not, <laughs> not, not only, not only uh, was uh, Budios, the real cereal, announced, but Mattel announced that they were making a New Day action figure box set where the box is a box of Budios. And then you open the flap, and you see all three New Day members. I. Then. That's a slow clap. That's a slow it was, clap. And then I tried to turn it into a New Day rock. <laughs> well, New Day doesn't just rock, because Funko then jumped on the scene. You know Funko. Is Fun- still going? Funko. Yeah, we're not done. Funko jumped in, and they said, our big announcement is New Day Pops. New Day Pops. You know Funko Pops? Yes. New Day's getting them. New no. Day is getting their own Pops. That's why this whole, like, Wyatt thing really went back to, like, oh, that was just a, I was a little one-off. I'm cool now. Yeah. Way by the way, too much merch. Xavier Woods, like, went back and forth between being scared and not scared more times than anyone. Like, he would come out for his promos and he'd be petrified. And then he would come out for another promo, and he'd be totally fine. Man. It's weird. Well, listen, Katie Lindendahl, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, uh, I know you've been super busy uh, talking about Pokemons with Dr. Drew. You'll be talking about (laughs) uh, uh, gadgets all over the world early tomorrow morning. It's late at night when we're taping this, so I cannot thank you enough for the dedication that you show uh, to the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners and to me. Mr. Nero appreciates you. <laughs> well, you can appreciate Katie Lennendahl by listening to her podcast, Katie.show. Go to www.katie.show or search the words Katie.show on iTunes and check it out. It's a great podcast. Thank you for joining me, Katie. Safe travels back, prime time. All right, and I'll see you soon. And enjoy Texas. Yeah, uh, We'll see you all later. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.